On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are talking about transfers, Tate. It is mm. all the talk in college basketball. This is the news of the week. We have two massive transfers in our world, two guys that we love, uh, have announced that they are transferring. The first that happened was Mac McClung, who was famously mm. a Riff Rass cousin, who was famously not actually a Riff Rass cousin at the same time. Somehow, it's Schrodinger's Riff Rass <laughs> of... He is Riff Raff's cousin, but he's not, but we will continue to think he is. Uh, he announced that he's transferring. He has withdrawn his name from the NBA draft. He is transferring from Georgetown, and the circumstances of his transfer are pretty juicy because he basically just came out and said, like, I can't take it at Georgetown anymore. Um, and, yeah, a number of different events made me feel like I had no choice but to transfer was his quote. Mm-hmm. So we will be uh, breaking that one down. He's, he's, a, he's a guy that we've always loved on the show. Yes, we've always loved Mac McClung, and it's funny because, you know, we remember the Bo Jackson mythology, the stories you would hear. He he jumped over a river or something like that, mm-hmm. and Mac McClung's mythology is he's Riff Raff's cousin, so mm-hmm. that kind of describes what he's able to do on a basketball court. We've seen some, <laughs> some great games from Mac McClung, though. We've seen some, some highlights. He is a highlight headline guy, so that's good for a program. You know, programs are looking for these guys to, to draw on the eyeballs on social media, so Mac McClung is that type of player. We know that, but you, you buried the lead, Mark Tice. I know. I, was, I know. This, this, Mac McClung is more for me. I always like Mac McClung a little more than you did. Uh, but the other guy that's transferring is your guy, Tate. No oh, Joe yes. Eastern. Yes, yes. A man that he wants to be a pro, okay? And he wants to find a coach that will turn him into a <laughs> pro prospect. And uh, No Joe Eastern, his, his nickname is Test the Waters because that's what he likes to do. He likes to see if the NBA wants him. The NBA, unfortunately, has not seen what I've seen in him. Um, Mm -hmm. I see a star. Which is a five-minute stretch against (laughs) Iowa in February of 2018 or something. Yes, yes, yes. A a diamond in the rough, as we like to call it in the scouting business. And uh, for me, me, Nojel Eastern is a big name on the board, and uh, he's going to Michigan. And uh, He's going to Michigan. Uh, The circumstances of his transfer are are hilarious. No disrespect to you and your fan club, Mm. You started, but Nojel Eastern is not good enough to warrant all the mm. discussion that is that has surrounded him. But somehow, because thanks in large part to Matt Painter, uh, this has become a big story, and uh, we, we will we'll, we're going to talk about it later. I guess we'll just uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, we're also today, in honor of the transfers being in the news, Tate and I are going to offer our top five transfers of all time. These are the guys that that you, you guys know how it works at this point. It's not the it's not the objective top five. It's, it's our, our top five. Yeah, it's our top five. Yes. Uh, so that is our top five of the days. We're going to do mm. the guys that transferred um, and and that we loved, that we ended up loving by the time their college careers wrapped. So uh, that is on the docket for today. But first, honestly, when you said docket, all I thought was Dan Dockage. So, but first, Dan Dockage. <laughs> All right, it's Thursday afternoon. We're ready to talk transfer state. Uh, before we do, how what's the quarantine update? Give the people an update on. We haven't done this in a while. Uh, how how where, where are we at in the on the Muscleman scale? We'll say if we if we put Steve Forbes on the Muscleman scale for his uh, his intro video, where do we fall on the Muscleman scale in terms of losing our minds? <laughs> I would say, I would say I'm in a tight six where <laughs> I I like you know I, I feel like I've I've gone all the way to nine uh you know I I have a lot of puzzles being done around me I have I've turned against puzzles I've done so many puzzles that I'm actually the puzzle breaker now if I see your puzzle and it's done and you're celebrating the puzzle will be broken you will not be able to enjoy it um yeah so that's probably about as crazy as I've gotten I'm also watching so much television that it's uh it's honestly scary 
Puzzle move, if you're a, uh, uh, this doesn't apply to you so much, but if you're a person that's uh, quarantined in a house with multiple people, say you have a, you know, you're in a family and there's like five people in the house or something, I've got uh, and, and everyone's working on the puzzle, a, a good puzzle move, Tate, is you, at one point, you just palm one of the pieces, stick it in your pocket, and mm. then as the family continues to put together the puzzle, everyone loses their mind because they can't find the final piece, and then you get to be the hero, and that's the only piece you contribute to the puzzle, is you're just like, you guys looking for this? And then they're all like, no, oh, you did it. And uh, that's all you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my nightmare of that is me getting caught <laughs> taking the piece. And then everyone's yeah, like, right. what are you doing? <laughs> You're the worst. And then it's like a whole, like it, it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, I pulled the, I pulled that move on my family a lot and uh, they love me for it. I'm sure. I'm sure it was just as funny to them as it was to me. I would have a life and times of Tim situation on my hands <laughs> where like people would turn on me and kick me out of this house that I'm happy to be in. So I, uh, I do not mess with the puzzles that hard. I have reached the point of quarantine where I'm watching sailing uh, instructional videos on YouTube, um, <laughs> trying to learn how to sail. I do not own a sailboat. I have never, I have never set foot on a sailboat. I'm not even sure I've set hand on a sailboat. I've never like touched a sailboat from a dock. I've never, yeah, that, that's my experience. But uh, because I, I moved to Marina Del Rey and I'm around sailboats at all times, uh, I am now watching. It's like 11:30 p.m. I'm just like watched. I'm taking notes. I yes. got a notepad in my bed, and I'm writing down terms like jib, jib, yeah, yeah, which the jib. is the main yeah. sail, the yeah, boom, yeah. and the. Yeah. Um, I've yeah. been out there. I've been the third mate, Mark Titus. I can't be the second mate because I don't really understand all the terms, you know. But third mate, <laughs> like I'm like, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm, I don't have time for the jib, but you've like, been the third mate. I'm the third mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the captain we actually should, has it if, all handled. If sports don't come, the captain has <laughs> if, if sports don't come back, we're pivoting to sailing. <laughs> yes. That's what we're doing. This is this is gonna be a sailing only podcast. Oh, we need a captain. Uh, if you are a sailing captain, please reach out to us. All right, enough with the enough with the uh, uh, nonsense. We have to get down to business because these are these are two bombshells in our world. Uh, the, the transfers. Should we start with Nojel Eastern? I feel like that's the juicier story. I can't believe it because Mac McClung transferring and kind of throwing shade at Patrick Ewing. In any other world, this would have been juicy for us. This would have been A1 content. But uh, you love Nojel Eastern so much. And Matt Painter kind of came out and was throwing haymakers so uh, just flagrantly that I feel like we have to lead with that, right? Yeah, let's start with that. Let's start with okay. the fact that there's a radio show in Indianapolis hosted by Dan Dockage, a guy that uh, once upon a time was going to do a live show with us. And Dockage has Coach Matt Painter on. And this is Indiana Sports Talk. This is what mm. you and I, uh, when I was in Indiana, I, every, every single John Wooden statue I'd pass by, I would just fall more in love with the sports fandom in, in Indiana, obviously. And the Purdue fans you know, they obviously are reporting on this live. So there's a lot of like live tweeting going on as it's happening. And this is obviously after Matt Harms and Nojo Eastern, they both tweet like, thank you, Purdue, you mm -hmm. know, black and gold heart emojis. Mm -hmm. And they've said their, you know, farewells and they've moved on with their careers. But Matt Painter has not moved on. Mm -hmm. um, Matt Painter, you know, he's been able to use the transfers uh, for the for the benefit of his program before. But now that they're being taken away, he's not mm -hmm. very happy about it. He's talking to Dan Dockage. And He's basically throwing haymakers, as you said, um, from the jump about both these guys, starting with Nojel Eastern, a guy that he talks about, you know, wants to be coached like a pro, um, but he doesn't have pro potential. He even, you know, brings <laughs> up brings up the fact that, you know, he was averaging eight points per game for Gene Cady, and he didn't he wasn't going to Gene Cady complaining about how he wasn't going to be in the NBA because he knew who he was as a player. Um, there were Chris Kramer references. Um, there was uh, grit discussed, and there was also – a lot of finger pointing from a coach and uh we obviously love purdue we love the boilermakers we love eh. 
We love Mackie we love, Arena. We, yeah, we, okay. love the, we, we love Mackie Arena. Let's just. I will, let's, you're let's, you're let's, not let's, wrong. I, 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 get, I have to check myself because the fact that you decided that we love Purdue, um, I say so many nice things about Purdue that I have yes. kind of overdone it through the years. Like, yes. I, I grew up hating Purdue, and now it's like it's like a rubber band effect. It's like snapped mm-hmm. over. Now I like, yeah, we're, we're like friends with all these Purdue players and coaches, and we love mm-hmm. Mackie Arena. And yeah, I need to, I need to. Yeah, that was a wake up call that you just said that. that you're so comfortable. Saying <laughs> Are you okay? That Are you okay? Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Take it deep. Um, all right. So, so here's 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 the big discussion point with all this is number one, how do we feel about Matt Painter's comments? Because there there are two sides of this, and most most of the people that are defending Painter are obviously Purdue fans, but the people that aren't aren't necessarily Purdue fans are saying that they love the idea of Painter. Uh, Painter's always been this way, where he's just a guy who shoots from the hip, and he he'll, mm-hmm. he'll call you'll quote unquote, call it like he sees it. Right. People like want to celebrate that part of it, that, that painter uh, in a world of coach speak in a world of guys being scared to put their necks out there and and offer up their, their true opinions about things. Um, in a world where most of the time players transfer, you just in a world. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You just have the, you have the director of ops type up a, a release. He puts it out and that's, that's pretty much the only statement on the matter. So it's refreshing that we get a coach. that's basically like, I don't like that these guys transfer. This is not good here's here's why um but then the flip side of that is obviously Tate that as you kind of touched on that Matt Painter has no problems taking on transfers himself Matt Painter this is a man who once used a Missouri job opening as leverage to increase his salary (laughs) at Purdue he's like was dead set on leaving Purdue to go to Missouri and then at the last second stayed at Purdue which um and and all the other all the other hypocrisies that that lie within like coaches being able to move but keeping players from moving um that has become the big discussion point. And, and I'm not, I'll be honest. Like I'm not at, at the risk of being a coward and not picking a side with this. Like I kind of understand painter's point of view um, in the sense that like, I, I think that, I think that we've reached a point with, with whenever like these, these problems arise where it's a, uh, basically it's like players rights issues, which, which is players getting paid players being able to transfer wherever they want. Um, all that kind of stuff. Whenever those issues arise, the general public always sides with the players, always, no matter what. And that is derived from the players making no money and all the, the adults, quote unquote, make all the money. So anytime one of these issues come up, uh, the, the, the vast majority of people are going to say, let the player do whatever he wants. And I think for me, what's, what, what can become frustrating or what you have to like suss out sometimes is that just because a coach is, is upset or like doesn't necessarily fully support a player's decision – doesn't mean that the coach is selfish. I don't think, um, and I'm not even necessarily speaking about this particular case. I'm just speaking in general that there are times where guys will transfer and the coach will come, will, will, will have some sort of, will publicly share his thoughts on it. And the coach isn't coming from a place of like, I want that guy to stay so he makes our team better. I think the coach is coming from the place of like, I genuinely love this player. This player thinks he's going to play in the league and he thinks the best way of going about it is to leave and go across the country. And this player is sorely mistaken. And it really, really bothers me that he's getting bad advice from people who claim to love him, but don't understand this. And I, as a guy who has been in this business for 30 years, I, I can see that this is a very bad idea. And I'm now publicly going to share that opinion. And I feel like in the instance with Painter, I feel like it was 80% that. And so like, I'm, I'm inclined to like want to kind of defend him. The part where he lost me is where he was talking about harm. He kind of lumped harms in with it. And he said, uh, so Nojel Eastern did not graduate from Purdue. Matt Harms did. Matt Harms got his degree from Purdue, is a graduate transfer at BYU. Um, and, and Painter said his comment was that 
when he, you might he's have got a boiler maker. Yeah, 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 but you're not a boiler maker if you yep. walk out the door in the end. That's a problem, Tate. That's a problem. It reminds me of uh, I can't remember the name of the Big 12 commissioner, but it was uh, it might have been like 2014, 2015, but it was during the transfer times, and he he made he said some quote about it being 50 percent of men's basketball players transfer, which is you know not true, um, but, <laughs> but he said almost. I'm sorry, I have the quote. He said almost 50 percent, and then he said that's an embarrassment to higher education. It makes a mockery of it, and yeah. you know it, that would be embarrassing, and that would make a mockery of it if it were true. And I think that's like the, the same sort of sentiment, right? That's the ethos that comes behind transfer in the college basketball world. We see the Jeff Goodman tweet every single year that's like, there's 737 transfers mm-hmm. in Division One college basketball this year. And, you know, I don't know if that, you know, equates to 50% of the players or makes a mockery of the game, but it also, it's a, it's a sticking point to coaches and you the administrators get, and all these people. You should get like a gold star if you go four years at a college and don't ever enter the transfer portal or put your name in the draft early mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or test the waters. You just do a four-year career and you graduate on time and at no point do you because that how about this how about you get a salary you get a salary if that's what you do if you play yeah. four years yeah. then you get a salary like you get paid out of the end they pay you like forty thousand yeah. dollars yeah. they're like here's forty thousand cash we put Thanks your money in like a, yeah we put your money in a lockbox and you can get it at the end if, yes. you, if you left off it's the it's the um, daryl hammond lockbox well this is this is this has become like a, a talking point the last few weeks just because also the steve forbes thing with with olivier sar who uh, he, he did the same thing where he's like, I don't know why you'd spend three years at Wake Forest and then want to go to Kentucky. Um, and I, I feel like that comment even, like he, from what we could tell Steve Forbes, and we've had fun with this, is like the guy feels like he's kind of a maniac. And, and whether that's a good maniac or bad maniac, we don't know. So like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to defend the guy. I just wonder like how, how much of it is, is he, you know, like genuinely, I guess he doesn't really know SARS. So I'm not, I'm, I guess that one doesn't apply as much. But uh, for Matt Painter, like you have a guy who knows Old Eastern who, by all accounts, um, from what, what I am, am hearing from my sources close to the situation in, in West Lafayette, uh, he's got a, he, he's got, we'll, we'll call them helicopter parent situation going on uh, with Nozel Eastern. He's also a guy who apparently wants to play point guard, Tate. And I, I, I know you love Nozel Eastern. Nozel Eastern is not a, a point, point guard. guard. <laughs> And uh, I, I feel like if you're Matt Painter, you're like, I know this guy better than – if there's one person on earth who knows his game and knows, like, how to get him to the next level, it's me. And this guy's turning – like, this guy really thinks that, like, I'm – I think that's how Painter probably feels. He's like, it's an indictment on me that, like, you really think I don't know what I'm talking about? You think you think your mom knows more than I do about what it takes to get you to the next level? Are you kidding? Um, but then – it keeps coming back to even if you feel that way, I think like some small part of you, I, I think eventually you have to just like, I don't know, keep it all in, turn to your director of ops, have him release the statement <laughs> and leave it at that. But then again, I don't know, man, because I, I really do like that Painter is candid. I really like that Painter just comes out and says it because there are a ton of coaches that feel this way. A lot of coaches like when guys do transfer because – Look, not, there's no way 100% of the guys transferring are actually making a smart decision. There's just no way that's true. So there are instances where coaches are think that, that players are stupid for transferring, and they're right. And um, I think it is kind of cool that Painter just doesn't give a shit. He'll just come out and say it, and that, that's kind of refreshing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 
and even if he's wrong, like it's cool that he he'll just come out and say it. Yeah, and we're so used to this world of everything being passive, and you know, when someone when Johnny Juzang leaves Kentucky, you know, John Calipari is cheerleading him on Twitter, being yeah. like, John, Johnny's a great basketball player. He's going to be a star out there. You know, we see stuff like that, and to see Matt Painter actually be upset, like you said, it'd be candid, it'd be uh, active in his criticism, but also. He's also talking to Indiana. He's talking to Purdue fans on Indiana Sports Radio. So we are national. Yeah. We are national guys who are picking up a regional conversation. So we always have to remember that part yeah, of it yeah. too. Like he he's talking to the fans of Purdue who feel probably even more emboldened than he does about the fact that these two guys are leaving, especially about Nojo Eastern because you mentioned the helicopter mom and you know his mom right now is probably saying, well, Jawan Howard's going to get him to the NBA because Jawan right. Howard knows how to play in the NBA and he was yeah. a guy in the NBA. Yeah, Jawan Howard yeah. was in the NBA, Matt. Wait, if you're so <laughs> good, why didn't you play in the NBA? And he's like, Gene Katie. <laughs> just keeps yelling Gene Katie and eight points a game. Um, yeah. And that's uh, that's where it is. I, I I'm excited for Nojel Eastern though, and I think he could yeah. be a point guard. I will say, man, uh, committing to Michigan less than 24 hours after putting your name in the portal, huh? That seems like tampering, huh. <laughs> right? Huh? Huh? I'm gonna go yeah. ahead and scratch my head on that one. That we have yeah. a the whole point of the transfer portal is that we don't talk to these guys until they officially enter the portal. So, man, that must have been a hell of a conversation when Nojel Eastern entered the portal. Jawan Howard called him immediately and. Uh, he was sold, I guess. I guess that was the first conversation they had. That was a, uh, huh. <laughs> what, is the, what is the job of the person that's like actively checking the portal, you know, just to see the names that are filtering in to make yeah. sure like if someone enters the portal that they, they see Nojel Eastern, you know, someone in Michigan's like, Jawan, yeah. the bat signals up, like make the phone call, call Nojel Eastern now. Obviously, who is, that's not how it really works. Yeah, who is, who is the first guy? Is, is there someone out there refreshing the portal? I think managers, it has to be managers. Yeah. yeah. It's it's managers and you know, people like us who are just like trying to stir the pot on Twitter. It's like, yeah. oh, do you see this? Like Matt Harms, transfer portal. It's the transfer portal tracking the new version of it's is it college basketball's version of uh flight tracking with, with the way football coaches get tracked. Do we don't really do that in college basketball, do we? I guess we do, but not really, because there hasn't really been Calipari is the only guy I can think of with the yeah. helicopter. Yeah, or like there plane. hasn't really been like a massive job opening that's like captivated. I mean, even <laughs> thoughts and prayers to UCLA fans as I'm talking about no massive job opening as the UCLA search was uh, was hilarious. Um, yeah, but but I don't I don't remember like the UCLA thing. I guess if there's a job we're gonna do that, it would have been that. I don't remember like flight tracking really being be the thing during that but. yeah the the last thing that i remember as far as a flight track was uh when sydney Lowe ended up getting hired at nc state john calipari flew to uh raleigh north carolina to to interview for that job and everyone was tracking calipari's flight. oh yeah like oh <laughs> like this is about to happen and then then rumor has it that john calipari was like i can't get kids into nc state so <laughs> fast oh man uh so how do you where do we land on the uh the idea that this is bad for for Purdue? This is bad. This is a bad look for Painter. That I, I saw a lot of that. A lot of comments that were like, wow, bad look for Painter. Good luck with recruiting. Like maybe this is why the guys wanted to transfer. Who would want to play for a coach that's gonna kick you in the ass on your way out the door? And um not not yeah. not every player can be a coach's player, right? And I think yeah. if anything, Matt Painter, this is if this is who Matt Painter is, which like you said, he's always been someone to shoot from the hip. That's who he is as a basketball coach. And if he if he is anything different, that's not genuine. So yeah. I think you have to be your genuine self as a coach. And if you play it up like, oh, it's no big deal, and then someone comes in and they know behind closed doors you are talking about it being an issue, 
then that's not being genuine either. So if you're, if you're from my perspective, honestly, yeah, Matt Painter said this stuff. I wish he wouldn't have been as personalized with this criticism saying like, a, like specifically talking about both their situations. But I also understand the sentiment where this is how I feel. This is what I say. This is what I think. And I wish they would have stayed here because the only thing that I didn't like was the Matt Harms. Like he got beat out of his position too. That that, that was like a little bit of a a backhanded statement. Like, I don't think we need to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So. Because the Harms one, like he shouldn't have, I guess he, he, it's, it's easier to do it, but uh, he should have just focused on Eastern, I guess, because the the Eastern, (laughs) like if I'm Matt Painter, I'm upset about Eastern and how Eastern handled it. But Harms, Harms makes more sense. Harms graduated and Harms got beat out and Harms mm-hmm. didn't have a starting spot. Harms had already got his degree. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah whereas whereas Nojo the Eastern was like, I think I should be playing a different position. I think I should be, I, I, I want all of this. I try, I'm going to transfer within 24 hours in conference. Like th- those are reasons to sort of be bitter if you're a coach. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think Matt Painter's in the right, but I, it, it, it's what, what's the quote? I, I disagree with what you're saying, but I'll defend to my death. You're right to say it. That's, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel about Painter's. Like, I love that. I love that he's, he's candid about this stuff. Cause I do think, um, I, I think there's going to, I think it's going to flip the other way because with, with the coaches, cause I think so many guys want to be players coaches now. And that's like the, that's the generation of basketball that we're in Tate where, like a guy like Bob Knight could never ever coach college <laughs> basketball again. It just couldn't happen. Beyond whether he was choking players or not, just his demeanor in and of itself, no one's going to hire that guy. If that's how you, um, if there was some like thirty-five-year-old who behaved like Bob Knight, no one is like, man, that guy is an up-and-comer. I need mm-hmm. him to to jumpstart my program here. Uh, and everyone is transitioning to the players' coach, so to yes. speak, the guy that's the cool guy, the guy that knows how to 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 play video games with the team. <laughs> Knows how to, yeah, yeah. it's TikToking. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's the guy that everyone wants to play for, and I feel like the more we lean that way, the more there is going to be like a, a vacuum of like, uh, where actually kind of being a hard ass is going to be valued again. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're ten years away from like being a hard ass coach is valued again. I think like they're going to be they're going to be parents with kids that are like, I don't want a coach that's just going to pat my son on the back and say he's awesome and. I want him, I want you to to ride him. I want you to turn him into a, a ball player. And I really feel like that's that's going to happen. Hashtag the last dance. I think that's yeah. happening right yeah. now. Yeah. I think every, yeah. every single dad at home is pointing to their seven or eight year old kid that they want to be a basketball, baseball, insert sports star, and saying, "This is the mentality I've been telling you about. This yeah. is when you tell me you don't want to go play on Sundays. This is why I make you go play on Sundays." And every kid's like, "Man, I really don't want to play this sport anymore. Yeah. Dad's taking this way too seriously." But yeah, I do think uh, there will be a, a change of the guard, I guess, at some point. But you mentioned uh, we're talking about this a little bit later, but the. The 40 under 40 list they just put out at ESPN. It was like yeah. the 40 college basketball coaches under 40. And, um, you know, Wes Miller's number one on that list, a guy that was talked about for the Wake Forest job, a guy that, you know, was aiming for the UNC job. But when you go through the list, I mean, Luke Murray, based on that list, is going to be the UCLA head coach in about yeah. you know, five years. <laughs> yeah. So th- th- there's not that many guys under 40, like you're saying, that you can really point to and say that's the future of coaching yeah. in college basketball. So there is an open space. So if there is a, a high school coach that is like a, a Bob Knight, but also more modern and not as insane, that is as hard that is hard nosed, comes into college basketball, maybe yeah, I don't know. You just can't have like a power hunger guy. You just can't you can't be an asshole for asshole's sake. You have to yes. be like a guy that's just a uh, yeah, I don't know. A, a guy that um, 
I, I, cause, cause it is, it, it is kind of becoming outrageous. I mean, remember when Tom Izzo yelled at Aaron Henry and that was like a bit, that, that was like actually a discussion that needed to be had was like, is Tom Izzo being too mean to his players? Yes. That's where we've arrived is, is roll your eyes all you want. Like society's become so, like the, 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 the thought towards coaches and college players has become absolutely soft. It's, it's embarrassing how soft the general public is towards like the way coaches handle players. Um, so that that's why like the general sentiment of Painter, uh, I, I think he's wrong. I think like roping harms into the discussion was a was a mistake. I think he could have like pulled back a little bit or cho- chosen his words a little more carefully. But the whole sentiment of like, listen, man, when when I was coming up in college and playing for Gene Cady, I busted my ass, and if I didn't if I didn't get a playing spot, I played harder, and I I I I learned these lessons along the way, and there's value in like knowing your place on a team and knowing your role and all that kind of stuff. I think all that stuff is valuable. And I don't think it's just like some old timey bullshit that guys with gray hair tell younger kids to, to try to get them to fall in line. And it's, I don't, I don't think it is a case of Matt Painter just wanting Nojel Eastern and Matt Harms to stick around so he can win a few more games. I really do think that he genuinely believes that. Um, and I do think that like the general way society is going is like telling every single kid to do whatever they feel like doing. And it's got to be like for all these coaches that have been in it for so long, they have to be pulling their hair out being like, that is not, that is like, it, I have, I have the responsibility as a coach to take boys and turn them into men or whatever. And that is not the best way to do it is to tell these kids, like just always chase whatever feels good. You know, mm-hmm. like at some point you have to face adversity and overcome it. And that's how you, you look back on your career and feel proud about it. So like that part of it I'm with, but uh, he could have done it better. You know, that's pretty much it. So that's, yeah, that's it, yeah. It, I, it seems like it's one of those things where if he could go back, he probably would take it back. Even though if we asked him on the air, he'd be like, I'm not going to take it back. But, you know, <laughs> he'd be like Scotty Pippen talking about the chair throw. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, 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 like, no, sitting out, uh, sitting, sitting out. He was like, I, he was like, if, if I could have done it different, I would have done it differently. He's like, Scotty, you would have done it differently. <laughs> yeah. you know? and, and, that, and that's totally fine because that's what happens in the, in the heat of the moment. Sometimes things happen and you got to figure yeah. it out, you know, the, 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 the fallout from a lot of sort of stuff. But, but um, I, but I don't think it's damning. I don't think like Matt no. Painter saying this. I don't think it's no. like, well, crap. Now he's not going to get anybody to ever come to Purdue because, like, like you said, if because if, if if guys don't want to come to play for Matt Painter because he said that, you were never going to play. You're never going to want to play for Matt Painter in the first place. But what could be damning, right, is another coach is Patrick Ewing, right? We yeah, let's transition had, to that one. Yeah, yeah. Right. So let's talk about Georgetown, right? So Mac McClung, we talked about at the top of the show, Griff Raff's cousin, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> He goes to Georgetown, has a pretty solid year um, as far as like some individual games that were pretty good. You know, he, you know, he showed enough, right, to be like, okay, he's a part of this Georgetown mm-hmm. program for the foreseeable future. You know, Patrick doing everything's going well. He decides to put his name to test the waters uh, like everyone else in college basketball. We, we're going to start calling that the no-gel Eastern, I think. But it's almost testing the waters. It's just like that's the Eastern. Mac does that. Then Mac decides I'm going to go to the transfer portal, just like no Joe Eastern, because there may not, I don't know the draft's probably not going to happen maybe in their minds or they may not get drafted probably. So now Mac McClung is there, but he had more things to say out the door and uh, mm-hmm. I'll throw it back to you because are you concerned about Patrick Ewing and this whole fallout? Because dude, I was this the first time I was concerned about Patrick Ewing halfway through the year. What happened yes. with all the, the, it went away. It went yeah. away. The story yes. where like he loses five players and there's like sexual assault stuff going on and and the I was concerned then too. <laughs> yeah. He had the the recruiting class that Matt McClung was part of. Like it, it felt like Georgetown was was in a position to turn a corner and like build something with Ewing. And um, I was I was critical 
maybe critical is not the right word. I, I, I default to just making jokes like we always do on the show. And, mm-hmm. uh, when Ewing took over at Georgetown, it was just like funny to me because I, I think anytime a guy that has no head coaching experience is hired because he's a famous alum and famous player, like that's always funny to me. I did the same to Chris Mullen. I did the same to Patrick Ewing. I'll, I'll, I'll do it over and over and over again with, with all these schools that keep doing that. Um, Jawan Howard, I, I kind of did the same thing. I was like, you know, I mean, good luck, I guess, but we don't know anything about, like, we don't know anything about these guys. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of insane to think about that you just like hire a guy because, well, he was a good player and he wore our uniform. So, <laughs> Clearly, he knows how to coach. Um, but then when when he signed Matt McClung and it felt like they were they were turning a corner, it was like I, I kind of backed up because I was like, oh, maybe Ewing knows what he's doing. All the goodwill that he's built up is completely gone. I mean, it, he has to be on the hot seat going in. And I don't think they're going to fire him now. Like that would be crazy to to do it now in the midst of the pandemic and um, just where everything's at. I, I think he's, I, I don't think he's going to get fired or anything like that, but I, th- I mean, if I'm a Georgetown fan, I have to be like, what are we doing here? What's going on? Yeah. It does seem like it, it, he and Chris Mullen, Chris Mullen had the same situation at St. John's where, you know, he was there for five years. There were these moments where you're like, Oh, this is uh like, it looks like the program's taking a little turn here. Like Shamari yeah. Pons is having a great year. They're making a little run and then boom, it all kind of just like ends in this five year kind of like, Oh, I guess it's over everyone kind of wipes their hands clean to the situation. It kind of seems like with Patrick Ewing, that could be what's in line here. Like they're just letting it play. It's enough time to say, Hey, we gave, you know, Pat a fair shake at Georgetown. Yeah. But as these things tend to mount, I mean, especially if Matt McClung's saying that there, these are the reasons he's leaving, yeah. you know, like he, he has not just basketball to blame. There's things outside of that, that obviously causes more, uh, you know, interest into what's going on there, but it, it's weird how it can, it flies under the radar though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very weird. Uh, the, the the player development under you and I, I could I could sense is a is a thing with Mac McClung. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I think with Chris Mullen, um, Chris Mullen was especially egregious to me because I ne- I never once got the feeling that Chris Mullen wants to be a head basketball. Coach. Chris Mullen was just like, yeah, I'll take your money. It's like it's like let's go try to win some games. <laughs> I will say Patrick Ewing and Jawan Howard both to me feel like guys that very much like love their schools, love yes. coaching, want to be yes. like. And they took the job thinking I'm going to be here for 40 years, and I'm going to mm-hmm. be. Um, and, they, and I think Patrick Ewing wants and, to be there for 40. Yeah, years. yeah. Like yeah. I think I think he's genuine uh, with his with his love for the job yeah. that he has, but um, at the same time, like maybe this is maybe don't hire a guy with no <laughs> head coaching experience. I guess that's the, that's the, cause, cause it is, it does seem to be very pointed towards, towards Patrick Ewing, Matt McClellan. I mean, Ewing went on, this is hilarious. We, we should uh, give a shout out to our guy, Andy Katz, he, mm. who, uh, our colleague, Fox sports, Andy Katz. Uh, <laughs> he, he was doing the, he, he interviewed Patrick Ewing and Ewing said something about how, how he expects Mac McClung to come back. This was when Mac McClung had, had declared for yeah. the draft at this point. Yep. And he said something about how he had come back. And Mag McClung, like, mentioned that. Like, basically, I never talked to him or said that I was coming. Like, what? <laughs> Where is this coming from? Um, so, that, yeah, the, 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 that whole story is just fascinating. The, the relationship between Mag McClung and Patrick Ewing because uh, – Well, I mean, in reality, Patrick Ewing was saying that was sort of a backhanded uh, he's not going to get drafted. Yeah, he's not so good he's enough go- to get so, drafted. Yeah. So he has to come back to school, you know? Yeah, and, and Mag McClung is like, I never said – that I mean I what and and <laughs> and then that hampered is I I think like it, it became a problem because then like I think a lot of the NBA scouts like didn't bother like as you're going through the process you, you I mean when your head coach is like yeah he's not going if I'm an NBA scout like why bother talking about that yeah why bother um no so uh 
enough about that. I mean, I think, I think Patrick Ewing is, uh, like I said, I think he's going to have his job next year. I, I would, I'm pretty confident in that, but if I'm a Georgetown fan, I, I would, I, I, I would say, and, and I know nothing about this. Like I haven't done the research. I haven't gotten on the forums. I haven't gotten on whatever the, the equivalent mm-hmm. of pack pride for Georgetown is, mm-hmm. but I would guess that, that the fan base is the, the tide is turning and people are like, all right, enough with this experiment, enough with the John Thompson, like just, just in general, the, the John Thompson tree in general, we have to just cut the John, like just say <laughs> goodbye to John Thompson once and for all. Thank you for all your service. We don't need your son. We don't need your best player coaching us anymore. Let's go hire Will Wade. <laughs> Let's go get Shaka Smart. I was going to say, yeah, go get Shaka, yeah. And if you're on the, oh, if you're on the flip side, if you're a Mac McClung fan, um, and that's what you're here for, let's talk about the fact that 13 schools have already reached out to Mac yeah. McClung for his services, mm-hmm. and the most recent is the most interesting, in my opinion, and that is Florida. Um, mm-hmm. Florida got Kerry Blackshear last year from Virginia Tech. Um, this is a DMV kid, just around that same area. What if he goes and uh, you know gets Mac McClung to come down to Florida? That's that's a team that has a bunch of athletes. Will Mac McClung stand out amongst those athletes if he mm-hmm. does test the water season is upon us next year, of course. Um, I, I think Florida is actually a really good fit. So that's uh, that's interesting uh, as well. So uh, I, I think the best fit for him is he gets a waiver and he goes to NC State and we have a back. Oh, yeah. Braxton Beverly and Mac McClung. That's what I want to see. Mm. That would uh, the ACC would admit, love that. Archie, Archie <laughs> Miller and Terry Gannon, the, the, their, their hearts would go yeah, through right. <laughs> that day. Get those two guys. Braxton Beverly is going to be a senior, so he's got to get the waiver if he's going to go that route. But uh, you pointed this out to me. I didn't realize – I knew Mac McClung was from Virginia. I didn't realize he was from – what do you call that? The panhandle of Virginia? The, the tail Gate of Virginia? City. Gate he's City. He's from Gate City, mm-hmm. which is if – you, if you, like, draw a, a circle of a five-hour drive around Gate City, I mean, the schools that are – if he's going for the uh, close-to-home route mm-hmm. – um, which I don't know why I'm assuming he would be. I just kind of, anytime a guy transfers, I just kind of always assume he wants I to. I screenshot Gate City and the full map on Google Maps and sent it to you. And I was like, yeah. here's all the, here's all yeah. the close yeah. to homes. And it's everybody that you would want. Yeah. Within a five hour drive, he's got Kentucky, <laughs> Louisville, Carolina, Duke, NC State, Tennessee, Tennessee Virginia yeah. Tech, Virginia, <laughs> Cincinnati, Xavier, like all these schools. Dayton. Like, uh, he's Dayton. got Dayton. Yeah, Dayton. Yeah. Um, they're all right there. So, uh, I mean, within within like a five-hour drive. So, yeah, that'll be fascinating to see. He's going to end up – I mean, I did, we, everyone did the same thing with like DJ Carton when he transferred from Ohio State. They're like, he's going to go to Iowa. He lives just right down the road. A 20-minute drive from Iowa. And then he goes to Marquette. So, who the hell knows uh, with, with, with these guys. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting times in Georgetown, to say the least. All the optimism. It's, it's so I, – I feel like it was a year ago at this time, Tate. A year ago, I feel like Georgetown fans were like, we got We're something back. going. We're back. We're back. Coach Ewing's going to get it done. This is so cool that our best player in program history is our He's head doing coach it. Now He's, doing, He's doing, it. doing it. And, like, yeah. this is so – the glory days are back. And, my God, what a difference a year makes. Mac um, McClung, go to Duke and wear number one. That's, that's, the only, that's the only thing I can ask for. Just go to Duke and wear number one. Be the next Ion. Oh, man. Um, all right, should we do our top five transfers? Do you want let's, to do that? Let's do it, yeah. In I'm honor ready. of uh, – yeah, all the transfers – being all the rage i mean we got the uh the the, the one-time transfer rule waiver that's that's all the i mean I, I feel like every day there's there's like new developments in the transfer the world of transfer if you, if you just have a google alert search set up with the word transfer you're uh you're staying pretty active these days so i would say uh you're making a mockery of it um mm-hmm. if, if you were doing that but you know <laughs> it's fine it's fine. um all right so some ground rules for this one uh our top five transfers we are doing division one to division one only so uh, our apologies to friend of the program, Duncan, Duncan Robinson, Robinson, for example, who transferred from 
whatever that that boarding school was <laughs> that he that he was at in um, the middle of nowhere. Or or guy like JUCO guys like Larry Johnson would have been on my list if we were doing mm-hmm. JUCO guys. Um, mm-hmm. But we are not. We are doing guys that were on Division One teams, transferred to other Division One teams. Also, I want to I want to say just to to throw this out there. Larry Bird is not on my list. I did not mm. count Larry Bird. Never played at Indiana. Should not count. He never on the played. List. So I felt yes. like Larry Bird was cheating. So if you're listening uh, and you say I, I have Titus figured out, of course Larry Bird is going to be number one. You're right. He would have been, but it feels like cheating. Um, he was. He never played because Kent Benson was an asshole to him, and he decided I've had enough. I'm going to Indiana State. Yeah, let me just say this. Uh, that's a great rule because Larry Bird should be number one. But you have to play. You have to wear the uniform, not just in practice. You yeah. have to play a game. Uh, or maybe a full season, but we won't go that far. We'll just say at least a game. So Larry Bird's off the list. I'm excited to see your list. I All can't. right, so these are, these are our top five transfers. Again, if you've been listening throughout the quarantine, you understand that these are not objective <laughs> lists. These are, these are our lists. These are our favorites. Yes. Our top five guys. Um, All right, Tate. I will, as always, let you go first. Who's number five for you on your list? Uh, you could have guessed it. Nogel Eastern, uh, Purdue <laughs> year is 2020. He trained. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was just like, I thought about that when we were doing the list. I was like, what if I just put Nogel Eastern Mac number McClug. one? It, it just made everyone so upset. They're like, this guy really likes Nogel Eastern. No, I, I will throw that away. Can you, have, have you told, have we, I feel like we hint at it. The, the, the story of why you love Nogel Eastern. We've told it before. I, we've I, told it before. Okay, yeah. All right. And, well, and, let's and, just move on. Let's just and, move on. And if people don't know it, just know that Nogel Eastern is a point guard. And I think he's a pro prospect. And I think that Jawan Howard sees his talent. And I, I legitimately, wait. I legitimately forget the conversations we have on air and off air. So like, I, I, I wonder if it's like a, a thing where like, we, we never like, talked about it. Yeah. We've never actually <laughs> talked about it on air. And we just assume that everyone knows what we're talking about. But I, I, yeah, if you think we have, we'll just move on. Uh, all right, go ahead. Number five. All I see when I think of Nojo Eastern is Isaac Haas <laughs> in, a, in, in a Utah Jazz Summer League jersey that I'm like, did he ever take that off? Because we were in West Lafayette at that point. He never yeah. took it off. All right, number five <laughs> on my list. Um, let me go here. Uh, number five, Billy McCaffrey, uh, one of the mm. earliest Duke defectors, a man mm. that scored 16 points in the final in 1991. He said, I'm tired of Coach K yelling at me. I'm tired of being the fourth option on this team. I'm bigger than this. I want to get the basketball. I want to have fun playing basketball mm-hmm. because I'm playing for a diabolical menace right now. Mm-hmm. And his name is Mike Krzyzewski. Get me out of here. Take me to Vanderbilt. Uh, Billy McCaffrey does not get the back-to-back championships. He leaves Duke before they go for the 1992 title. But he does go to Vanderbilt. He goes to a couple, or at least one Sweet 16, I believe, um, and was averaging 16 points a game and was just having a great time playing that the was- game of basketball. That was Stalin's first year, right? He got a hundred percent. Yeah, that was a big gift for Kevin Stallings. Yeah, young Kevin Stallings. Uh, he's like, yeah, come on in here. <laughs> yeah, Billy McCaffrey. He was the OG Duke defector. At least that's how I remember it. Yes, uh, he yes. was the first guy, uh, especially a white guy transferring from Duke. That is especially noteworthy. That, uh, yeah, he was very upset that Grant Hill was getting shots over him. He was like, I was not told <laughs> yeah, about right. this, and they were like, all right, Billy, go to Vanderbilt. That's a good pick. Uh, all right, number five for me is Wesley Johnson. Um, mm. also known as Wes Johnson, Iowa State to Syracuse. He was the first guy that I remember. Th- this is kind of embarrassing, but um, whatever, it's true. He's the first guy that I remember like how good he was at the school he was at, mm-hmm. and then he transferred, and then he was also great at the school he went to, if that makes sense. A lot of these guys that transfer, um, I remember them after they transferred, or but I don't really remember their first spot. I remember watching Wes Johnson when he was at Iowa State, and he was a killer. He yes. was like all Big Twelve freshman of the year, whatever it was, or he, whatever it was. He was great at Iowa State uh, under Greg McDermott. They sucked though; the team was horrible. So he transfers to Syracuse, uh, ends up winning twenty ten Big East Player of the Year. 
uh, was pretty much like the third best player in the country behind Evan Turner and John Wall that year. Yep. Those two guys were battling out for National Player of the Year, and, and Wesley Johnson kind of had the third place locked up to himself. Uh, Syracuse got a one seed that year. Uh, Anuaku gets hurt in the, the Big East tournament. Mm-hmm. I think he tore his quad, I want to say. Um, and then they end up losing to Butler in the Sweet 16, and uh, that was that. But Wesley Johnson, one of the first guys I ever remember as like – I remember the start of his career. I remember the end of his career. I kind of watched him as he transferred. Um, that's that's not entirely true because like Luke Recker was probably actually the first. Now that I think about <laughs> it, but Wesley Johnson and that's kind of how I remember it. it. Was like I remember when he announced he was transferring. I was like, holy shit, that's a huge. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember the headline being like Wesley Johnson is leaving Iowa State, and wasn't it something where he was injured and then they tried to tell him that he was. It was like a Kawhi Leonard situation. Oh, really? Was it? I. It, I I wouldn't I, remember that. Yeah, I'll have to I, look that up. I, I, it was something like that, but it, but like, or at least that was his reasoning because then obviously Iowa State was upset that he was leaving, and then he goes to Syracuse and has this you know great season, and he was even yeah. consideration. I mean, obviously, I think John Wall was a surefire going to be the number one pick mm-hmm. in the draft, but when they did the whole you know rundown, they're like, and potentially Wesley Johnson, a swing forward that had a great yeah. year at Syracuse, and yeah, he had a big year, and uh, it's funny because Wes Johnson was on my list as my number four, but now I'm going to knock him off and I'm going to put someone okay. else at number four. All right. So. Because I don't, I'm just like, there's too many honorable mentions to, to get to for this. Uh, but I like that. West Johnson, number five. Uh, number four for me is uh, a guy that I feel like got lost in the shuffle in time. Um, he's a big man, and his name is Cliff Rogier. Mm. And Cliff Rogier, uh, my brother is a big fan, Cliff Rogier, my cousin Matt. Uh, he played one year at Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't play that much. I think it was 312 minutes. He, he remembered, it was the Draymond thing. Like, uh, he remembered how many minutes he played for Dean Yeah, Smith. yeah. And uh, so it was like 312 minutes, and then he goes to Louisville. I think mm-hmm. they made a sweet 16 with him as well, with Denny Crum. Um, but he was Mr. Basketball in Florida. Uh, he just couldn't find playing time at Carolina and then leaves, goes to Louisville. What's with the Florida to Carolina pipeline? It was, uh, it was a Dean Smith. Dean Smith is smart. He's How like, let's go get these athletes. and let's get Joel Berry, yeah. Vince Carter. Vince Carter, yeah. yeah. John Henson. There's a bunch wow, of guys. Wow, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Tony Bradley. Yeah, that's my, that was my, one of my favorite recent ones. But, yeah, Cliff uh, uh, Rozier just couldn't play at Carolina. Goes to Louisville. Has a great career. And, uh, unfortunately, he passed away a couple years ago. As I was Oh, really? I didn't up, know that. Yeah. He had a heart attack uh, at 45. So, uh, we just want to say, uh, you know, Clifford Rozier uh, was a great basketball player. And, uh, man, that, that was like – he's one of those guys I remember, like, my brother telling me about him. He was like, he was a curl him, then he went to Louisville. You know? why, did he, why did he transfer? Because he didn't play. Who, who, was, who was playing ahead of him? I mean, I think it was Montross. Uh, oh, was, oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It was like Montrose. that George Lynch, Montross, yeah. like that crowd. Um, yeah. So, it was a lot, of, a lot of bigs down there, Carolina. Okay. All right. Um, that's a good pick. Uh, number four for me is – TJ McConnell, Tate. I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm not even going to tease it. Let's just dive right in. TJ McConnell, uh, Duquesne to Arizona. Uh, he's a Pittsburgh guy. He's Sean Miller's just pet project, a uh, 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 scrappy guy from Pittsburgh. Um, he was at Arizona for two years, Tate. Goes to two Elite Eights, the, the, the two Elite Eight teams that lose to Wisconsin and Elite Eight both years. Uh, he won 67 games in two years, Tate. That's insane. Mm. I felt like I remember at the time being very passionate about this that he should have won a 2015 Pac-12 Player of the Year. I was very passionate about. Very it. Very passionate. Oh it, my god! It ended up going to Joseph Young of Oregon, and I'm still like, as more time goes by, I get more upset <laughs> about it because I think what happened is T.J. McConnell, he was coming on the heels of uh, of of Aaron Craft, and I think people had Aaron Craft fatigue, and they they looked at this guy and they said, this guy is just Aaron Craft 2.0, which he's not. He could score. He could shoot. Um, 
he's he's better than Aaron Kraft. And, and oh, everyone, oh, <laughs> and I think everyone was just kind of over him, so he didn't get the respect he deserved. But I, I was thinking about this: who, where, where does T.J. McConnell rank on Sean Miller's? Like, if you're Sean, if you're if you're Danny Peters, our our guy Danny Peters, and you're yes. Arizona, and you're trying to to lure recruits to Arizona, and you're throwing out names that have played at Arizona under Sean Miller. How many names do you mention before TJ McConnell at this point? Aiton has to be number one, right? Aiton's probably number one. Aaron uh, Gordon, Markinen. I would say I would say McConnell's a solid four. He's up. He's yeah, above Hollis I, Jefferson, my, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say McConnell's top five, which is uh, interesting. And if, and if you're talking to Mac McClung, he might be number one. You, know? <laughs> you, you might just bring him out first. I would say I would say it's Aiton one. I would say Aaron Gordon's two, just because of the dunk contest stuff. Like yeah. he's he's like he he's flashy and sexy. Yeah, I would say three is Markinen, even though I think Markinen's better than Aaron Gordon. And then I think it's TJ McConnell. I think he's number four. I think he's above Hollis Jefferson. I think he's above, certainly above Stanley Johnson, right? Yes. What has Stanley Johnson done? Stanley Johnson is definitely not on that list. Um, uh, who else is even in the league from Arizona? I'm trying to, Derek Williams? No, he's not. Nah. Above. Yeah. It's TJ, TJ's top five. TJ Johnson? Top five. Nick Johnson? No, it's TJ. <laughs> I don't know. The guy, the guy had an amazing career. Uh, I feel like he was disrespect. He had, a, he had an amazing two-year stretch in Arizona. I feel like people didn't respect him as much as they should have because they felt like he was just an Aaron Kraft. He was diet Aaron Kraft, and I'm here to tell you he was not, folks. You're wrong. He had more of a pro game. I think if, I think if he went to Michigan for Jawan Howard, like he would have seen that pro game, definitely like developed him. <laughs> And got him and got him to the league. Um, that's for sure. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. TJ McConnell. It's funny because as you're we making the list, I was like, there's no way TJ McConnell will make either one of our lists. And I'm absolutely. Happy. absolutely I, he's I, making it. I thought as an Aaron Kraft believer, you wouldn't like because I think Aaron Kraft is better than TJ McConnell. So I, I no, uh, no, 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 no. See, no. I was one of those people. I was like, I don't need diet. I don't I love diet Kraft. Kraft is an awesome dude. And I and Kraft is like the nicest guy, and everything that's ever been said about him is very true. And he's he's as genuine and nice. Yes. And he was in Santa right. Cruz with James Michael, so yeah. I think and I was a little is, biased. He is the guy you want your daughter to date, all that kind of stuff. But he couldn't shoot, and as it, I, it, it's I, I just I, I, it's very frustrating for me when when guys can't shoot because that's the one thing I can do, which is why I don't love Nojel Eastern like you do because he mm-hmm. can't shoot. Mm-hmm. But uh, anytime a guy like can do everything on a basketball court but not shoot, I'm like, God, that's that's pretty frustrating. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating. That's why I respect Kawhi Leonard because he couldn't shoot, and then he took a lamp to a gym and decided to learn how to shoot, um, <laughs> and uh, and he figured it out. All right, number three, <laughs> number three on my list uh, is a guy that I think is very lost in the shuffle in time. But I learned a lot about him when I got to Los Angeles because I, I tried to learn about LA high school hoops. And Fairfax High School's finest is a guy by the name of Chris Mills, mm. and Chris Mills. Um, was a guy who he and Sean Kemp were both basically walking double-doubles together. They were best friends, and they were guaranteed as a package deal at one point to go to the University of Kentucky together. Mm-hmm. Um, they, Sean Kemp thinks happen. He does not go to Kentucky. Chris Mills does go to Kentucky. He averages a double-double his freshman year at Kentucky. And then there's uh, some conversations that occur. Apparently, his father took ten thousand uh, dollars to get him to go to Kentucky. All that doesn't this- sound right to Kentucky. Kentucky <laughs> was, that doesn't sound right. That I this is all this is all what happened uh, in the report. <laughs> and uh, so Chris Mills, from that point on, is uh, disqualified from playing for the University of Kentucky due to this. He decides to call up uh, his old his old friend who was trying to recruit him to Arizona, Lute Olson. He goes uh, to Arizona, you know, the next year he's a sophomore and he basically goes there and becomes a star. And Arizona was point guard U at the time, 
but he comes in. They're like the Tucson skyline. Chris Mills is playing great. They, the reason that Chris Mills is not remembered, even though he was a walking double double and a, and a total like LA, like I'm cool guy, big, big man on campus type dude. <laughs> the reason is because he didn't win in the postseason. I think they made one sweet 16 mm-hmm. with him, which is a very, you know, we, we joke all the time about the elite eight runs of Arizona, but Chris Mills was a great basketball player. He's, he's an LA legend. If you start asking people around, like his name will come up and you're kind of like, Oh, who's this Chris Mills guy. And you know, mm-hmm. he is, "Quote unquote," uh, a walking double double. You went to Fairfax. You went to Fairfax High School. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So there you cool. go. That's uh, Chris Mills, number three on my list. I, I think Arizona fans might be upset about that, but uh, Arizona I, guys back to back. How about that yeah. though? The, yeah. the, the, they won't be <laughs> upset. We just we just shouted out two of their guys, right? Yeah. There you go. Um, we hope. All right, number three for me is Scooney Penitate. Uh, yes. This is not. This is not. I, I should I should make clear that this is not. Um, I, this is not coming from a place of me being an Ohio State guy. Because uh, I did not cheer for Ohio State until I got to Ohio State, so this was not. I re, when I was watching Scooney Penn, I was not necessarily an Ohio State fan. Yeah, but that is why he belongs on my list because he turned me into an Ohio State fan during the '99 season. Um, he transfers from Boston College with Jim O'Brien. Uh, at, they they win the '97 Big East tournament together. Then Jim O'Brien gets the Ohio State job. Scooney comes with him, sits out in '98. Then in '99, he wins Big Ten Player of the Year. They lose to UConn in the Final Four. Him and Michael Red were absolutely electric. I I think this was the first time I that was the first time I even realized that Ohio State had a basketball team. Like I never really paid much attention to Ohio State whatsoever until '99 with Scooty Penn and Michael Red. Uh, they were so so fun to watch, and they played so well together. And Scooney's on, and and then I got to know Scooney a little bit. He's he's cool, and, and I I really love him. So maybe I bumped him up a couple spots because of that. But no, he was he was absolutely. <laughs> electric to watch with Michael Red. Those two guys were so awesome. And, and I don't want to I don't want to detract from uh from Scooty Pin because we love Scooty Pin. That's one of my favorite basketball names in the world. But Michael Red, if Michael Red would have been on the 2004 Olympic team instead of LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony, we would have yeah. won gold. Larry Brown would be revered and we would have a totally different basketball conversation mm-hmm. because coach K would have never taken over Team USA basketball. So Michael wow. Red is one of those people that I look to as uh, I, I just wish I could hug him and I wish I could have changed the past. You know, I wish well, I he, could got, he like, got, he got his gold medal. No, wait, I think he's happy. He's like, happy, yeah. but he should have played. No, he, he should have got, got back. Yeah, to he should have got two. Yeah. He should have got two. <laughs> should have got two. Michael uh, Red is sneaky. Like he made all-star teams, right? But he, he made yeah. just an absurd, he's the best. It's funny. Cause I, I feel like Conley is the same way. Like those two guys must get it. They, they actually, they, they golf all the time together. So I was about to say they must get along great. They actually do. Um, <laughs> But they both are – they got to be – if there's a list of guys that are like the best NBA players of all time that will always be forgotten about on lists or like yeah. the best guys that made a shit ton of money, averaged – their stats were unbelievable, but like would when they were playing, no one ever thought to mention them. Michael Red and Mike Conley are like both in that boat. They're both <laughs> – And they're both named Michael and they're yeah. both like – Went to Ohio State, yeah. And both you, lefties. Yeah. And, and if you both – and you meet either one of them, you're kind of like, this is the most likable person on the planet. How – like their Q scores are off the charts. You yeah. know, it's just like why are they not more – like why are they not more forward-facing in the NBA? We don't but know, but, like, but, but they like got if paid. You, if, if you tweeted out a picture of the 08 team, people are probably making fun of Michael Red being on that 08 Olympic team. And yeah. anyone who was around in 08 is like, that guy was a, a walking bucket, dude. He never missed. Why are we talking about Michael Red? By the yeah, way, I don't know. Go back Scooney, to Scooney. Scooney Pin. We love Scooney Pin. Love you, Scooney. That's, that's a great number three right there. All right, yeah, exactly. uh, Go ahead. number three. Number, number two for me. Uh, this is another uh, one that was honestly 
it's kind of a tragic uh, miring of transfer situation. But John Lucas, the third, mm-hmm. um, my favorite point guard, I think, of uh, that, that year, probably 2004, uh, when he hits the big shot, of course, against St. Joe's and they go to the final four. He goes from Baylor. He was at Baylor originally for uh, the the Patrick Dennehy scandal that goes on there. Um, he, he's a part of that whole team. He transfers to Oklahoma State um, with Eddie Sutton. And basically, John Lucas is a basketball name. Obviously, we know about mm-hmm. <laughs> that family and what the Lucas family has been able to do. But John Lucas III, he was 5'11". He was just a ball of energy. He was a lot of fun. He uh, he made great plays happen You know, out of nowhere. I was a little kid at the time. That. I played with everyone that was older than me, my old, my brother's friends. So I was used to people blocking my shot. I was, I was inspired by John Lucas III. And I know that it, it's kind of like the Baylor to OK State, you know, transfer is not really one-to-one. It's not like he was, you know, sitting there playing like a, like a Rozier situation. And yeah, it was yeah. obviously a scandal or whatever. But still, John Lucas, uh, that's number two in my training. No, that counts. That, that, okay. that qualifies as a – it's yeah. – That was the one I was worried about. I was like, well, will this count? Lawrence Roberts transferred too to Mississippi State from Baylor on the That's same. Right. Uh, can you imagine That's if those right. guys stuck at Baylor? That how good they would. They would have been a nasty team. They would have been a great um, team. Turns out having an, an evil man coaching your team is. <laughs> I'm sure Dave Bliss would have found a way to ruin it all, but uh, yeah, 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 of course. And Scott Drew wouldn't be there, so that's that's yeah, the real yeah, moral and that's, story. That's that's what that's, we really yeah. <laughs> we need Scott Drew there, so thank you. Thank, thank you, John, John Lucas. Lucas for yeah, thank you for transferring. Thank you. So we could get Scott Drew to Baylor and start our favorite meme. Is Scott Drew a good coach? Yes. Um, all right, number two for me is Marco Killingsworth. Uh, and he's number two on my list solely because Marco Killingsworth, for those who don't know, transferred from Auburn to Indiana. His first year eligible was the year after Bracey Wright left. Bracey Wright was like the weird era. I, I've gone over on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. He was the Joseph Forte of Indiana. It was like yep. just a weird, like, we're in a coaching transition. We're just going to hand the keys over to this guy that just like chucks it every time he gets it. But he's also like talented as hell. So like, I don't it, know. It, it, it's fun, but it's a crapshoot. Yeah. yeah, right. It's, yeah. it's uh, yeah. Um, so the Bracey Wright era officially ends and Indiana's got this big, just Shaq looking dude. Like he's mini Shaq, basically left-handed guy from Auburn uh, named Marco Killingsworth. And there was a little hype around him, but uh, no one really knew how good he actually was. And then in the fourth game of the year, Tate, the Duke Blue Devils, the number one ranked Duke Blue Devils come to Assembly Hall. Mm. Marco Killingsworth drops like 30 and 10. Maybe it was more than 34. Maybe it was like 35 and 10. Um, he had – there's there's an 11-0 run, I remember. I was at you the had, game. You have my full attention. I was at that game. Um, so I'm sitting at the very top row of Assembly Hall with my brother, who's a student, and I come down. He gives me a student ticket. We're standing at the top of the row. Uh, Marco Kellingsworth hits the transition three where he pulls up and, and, and he catches a pass at the top of the key, just pulls it. And no one knew that this guy could shoot. Like everyone's like, what the hell's going on? He makes it. The place goes absolutely nuts. Like three plays later, he caps off the 11 0 run, uh, to give Indiana the lead by dunking on Greg Paulus. It is the loudest I've ever heard assembly hall. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm not really sure what happened the rest of Marco Kellingsworth's career. The, literally the only reason I have him at number two is because of that one game against Duke, they ended up losing the game. Duke ended up beating him. <laughs> but it was like that one moment in time. I was like, this guy is the greatest. This 11, this, this 11 over on you. Like this guy is amazing. Like it's number one Duke assembly hall was, I, I've, I've been in assembly hall for some loud moments. That was the loudest I've ever heard. It was when Marco Killings were dunked on Greg Paulus. And uh, that's why he's number two. It's very, very biased pick, but um, I'll never forget it. And, that's all I needed from him. That's all I needed from Marco Killingsworth. I don't care about the rest. 
I just cared about that one moment in time when he dunked on Greg Paulus. Me too. That's the best. I mean, <laughs> you know, my favorite thing, uh, uh, Titus, about the 40 under 40 list was that Greg Paulus was honorable mention. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and there was a lot of people on that list that, I mean, I honestly, as I kept reading the list, I was like, maybe we make the list. I was like, Mark Titus might be on this <laughs> list. I was like, man, it's like a, it was like less and less people. It was like guys like equipment managers, like, you know, number 38. And Greg Paulus still wasn't even on the list. He was honorable mention. I was like, this is we should do stuff. the, we should do the top, we should do the 25 <laughs> under 25 list for college coaches yes. there's, like, there's like literally nobody jp mccurra is number one for yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> jp mccurra at usc against mick cronin at ucla sign me up that is the basketball rivalry we want in la oh, oh man, man. Dan- danny didn't even get an, an honorable mention by the way that's thoughts and prayers to him pour one out for my guy didn't couldn't even get an honorable mention I mean, I, that, that, that whole disrespect, article, that whole article was like, is if you submitted yourself, I think you made the article. Yeah, so Danny probably just didn't, he didn't send in his submission with all, like all of his stats. That's generally how those go, Tate. Generally yeah. every top 40 under 40 list is like, yes. you have to submit to, cause no one, how, how else would people know how old you are? <laughs> I mean, think about that. Like how old, did you know how old Luke Murray was before this thing came out? No. No, who who would know such a thing? All I know is that when I saw Luke Murray, when I saw Luke Murray on the list, I texted a friend of mine because he had already texted me. I was like, you're going to love this list. And uh, I was like, Luke Murray's going to get the UCLA job. He's like, I like Luke Murray. Pretty good fit. And I was like, I'm just going to put it out in the ether. Like Luke Murray to UCLA. I mean, not this year, not now, but maybe in four or five years. Luke Murray. Okay. When, when, when Mick retires after he's won back-to-back titles. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah but, but it's all, but like Bill Murray's son being the coach in LA at, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty good right there. Uh, it would be better. Right. Wouldn't it be better if he takes over at USC and and you have the, the I mean, Cincinnati, I like the private uh, I like the private school aspect of it. Xavier yes. versus Cincinnati gets brought out to to LA. The West Coast, yes. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, that's we'll how it works in LA. They like to bring rivalries from the South and the Midwest yeah. and put them out here. Like, let we, it work. We got plenty of time. We'll flesh that out later. We have we have well, yeah. We got right. years for this. All right. Uh, number one on my list. Honestly, okay. after you did that one, I wanted to change my number one because I was like, maybe I can flip this where it's like a good, like for me, because like the number one transfer for me that made me the happiest was the Wear Twins. Um, and with the Wear <laughs> so like when the Wear Twins left Carolina um, to go to UCLA, that was, that was, uh, the, you know. Did they leave with Larry Drew? Was that all three of them at the same time or were they well, it was years a- apart? No, they left uh, at during the summer after their first year, and then Larry Drew left in January um, of the year. Larry Drew left after having a nine assist game, where it was the first game he didn't start, and he played with the second unit. And he had a great game, and he had nine assists. And I saw him the next day, and I was like, "Great game, Larry!" And he didn't say anything back, and I was like, "Oh, this is good. Like, See you, bitch." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "I'm out of here. Like, I'm a hundred percent out." Uh, and he left, and uh, but yeah, so I, that was going to be my number one. But I'll go back to my original number one because that All was right. just too much fun. Um, and I think it's probably your number one, so we can just talk about it together. Yep, I think it's pretty easy, even if it is, uh, you know, our own list. It's Hank Gathers. Yeah, that yeah. is why I had number one. Yep. Yeah, from USC to LMU, and of course, we're going to do our best to pigeonhorn LMU into this program <laughs> as much as possible as we try to, you know, ride the coattails of the success there. Uh, Hank Gathers built LMU. Bo Kimball built LMU. Uh, Hank Gathers is a great story, and uh, he's an obvious number one, right? All-time package deal, those guys. Came yes. from Philadelphia. We're in high school together in Philly. Came out to USC to play for Stan Morrison. Um, he gets fired after their freshman year. George Raveling takes over, mm-hmm. basically kicks them off the team. Uh, what, was the, what was the George Raveling quote? I remember this. Uh, it was something like – he said something that was like not – 
PC at all. It was like you can't have the inmates running the asylum or something. He used like that quote. People were yes. up in Arkansas. And, and, and he came from that was from Iowa, right? That's when he left yeah, Iowa. Yeah. Came out. yeah. And he uh because what, what happened was he he basically said like if if you want to be a part of this team, you have to say you're a part of this team right now. And I think these guys, those guys were like, no, hang on a second. Like, give me some time to think about like whether we don't know you, we don't know you guy. We came out here to play for someone else. Like, and yeah. and then they basically like didn't sign. He gave him an ultimatum. They didn't sign soon enough. And then he's like, fine, I'm pulling your scholarships and kind of forced them out the door. So they go to LMU. Um, and then the rest is history. And we all know the story. Hank gathers tragically passes away, but those guys were, um, electric. It, it is so crazy to go back and watch the footage of that. It's they were so good and their stats were so high that like, and and I know they ran the system and I know it was like inflated and all that, but like, it is crazy how you can almost average too many points because then it gets discredited. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like when you look up Will, like Will Chamberlain stats, all you almost just gloss over them and they're not impressive because it's too much. Like if Will averaged like thirty six points a game, you'd be like, damn, dude, that's really good. But Will averaged. 46 and you're like i don't care yeah so the composition isn't there it's like michael yeah, jordan yeah. michael jordan being able to average 37 people are like man like that's that's impressive yeah, because you know? <laughs> because you average so much it's obvious that the competition wasn't good and it's just like a cyclical like it's a sliding scale you know what i mean like, like a, a respect and over yeah. time yeah but, but that's the thing this this was happening in the 90s this isn't like the 60s or anything like that that's why it's so insane they averaged 64 points a game between the two of them. Yeah, in <laughs> yeah like that's insane. <laughs> 64 points and like 19 rebounds between the two of them. <laughs> that's so insane. That's nuts. Yeah, they have to be the number one. They, they, they uh, yeah, yeah. Gathers tragically dies. Kimball keeps, uh, they keep playing. Which, like, dude, you go back and think about that. That is, I mean, I know, I know, it's, it's not like it's under the radar. Like people talk about it all the time, and that story has been. Um, rightfully given it's it's due um but it still is just like so crazy just like keep revisiting it and thinking about it that mm-hmm. that hank gathers like dies they delay the game and then they still continue playing like the ncaa tournament which i don't know if they should or shouldn't have i'm sure the players they, they did the, the talk and they said like hank would have wanted us to play all that kind of stuff but just looking back on it, it's like dude can you imagine those guys like going out and playing when their teammate just died not just their teammate but like the guy like the I mean- guy of the team I don't think it could happen in today's time just because of the ability for people to get in contact with the players and people, you know what I mean? It would just Dude, Zion much. Williamson busted his shoe out and everyone acted like he died. And they were like, yeah. we got to cancel the season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, seriously. seriously and Gathers literally died. And they were like, well, we'll keep playing. And then yeah. they beat the defending champs, Michigan. They wiped the floor at them in the second round. Um, yeah, that's an insane story. It gets, it gets crazier the more you look back on it. And uh, the older I get, the more it puts things in perspective, the more I look back on it, the more I'm like, yeah, that is like one of the greatest stories of all time. So, of all time. And if you go, I mean, we've watched games in LMU together. If you look up, you see, you know, the Hank Gathers jersey hanging up there. And it's like, it makes that gym a special place. And obviously, like, Hank Gathers will always be, he's immortalized, right? You know what I yep. mean? That's that's what's so, it's one of the craziest stories in college basketball. Yeah. You and We're here for the stories. And it makes it that much sadder that you and I totally get it, like with every fiber of our being. And Craig Pinton's the athletic director at LMU, still snubbed us and won't even give us an interview. <laughs> When the LMU job opened up, Even and I'm though, a great third yeah. mate. Like I, like yeah. you put me, you, 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 you put me, you put me on that bench. Like, are you kidding me? I am a hundred percent. You send me any Nojel Eastern, I'm gonna get them ready for pro life. Like a hundred percent. I got so that stupid. Imagine being an LMU <laughs> alum, listening to us just wax poetic about LMU, and knowing that your athletic director could have called us. I'm not saying he had to hire us. I'm saying all you had to do is call, call us. us. Just call us. He literally has my number, and he wouldn't call me. It's disgusting. 
Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, Omax. Living with chronic pain is the worst. It's more than a feeling of discomfort. It can affect your whole life. Many of our listeners probably have some type of pain that has prevented them from relaxing and sleeping or stopped them from exercising. Perhaps it's been ongoing for a few weeks now and hasn't improved with any of the treatments that they have tried. Enter Omax Health. We know this, Mark Titus. They've said they entered our lives. They, yes. uh, they they sent the products to us. We're very excited about it. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain, pain relief solution, cryo-free CBD roll-on developed mm-hmm. by Omax Health. This non-prescription triple action pain relief roll-on is specifically formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is this 100% natural CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application, and relief lasts up to eight hours. Titus. Oh, I use it liberally, Tate. Yes. I, that, that roll-on thing is fantastic. Screw the top off. I go running. Been doing a little yoga because I'm Hollywood. We know this. It's been well documented. I've gone fully Hollywood. So I'm doing these yoga classes and, and my knee just starts. I don't have a great knee. My right knee is not great. So I just throw a little bit of the roll on on there. Mm. Good as new. Eight bada hours. Bada boom. Yeah. Eight hours. And it takes care of it. We, we, we've, I mean, we're just living the life. And now if you don't believe us, <laughs> <laughs> listen to some pro athletes like PGA pro golfer Kyle Stanley. He uses the CBD roll on as well. Omax Health is offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. This discount also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code TNT. That is O-M-A-X health.com and enter code T-A-N-D-T to get 20% off cryo-free site-wide. That's again, promo code T-A-N-D-T. Back to the podcast. All right. Shout out to Closeouts. <laughs> Let's get out of here. I want to shout out Wes Miller. We mentioned at the top of the show, Wes Miller is uh, he, he's playing chess right now. And uh, in college basketball, there's a lot of people playing checkers. Or if you're Will Wade, you're just playing with the golf tee uh, by yourself, you know, just trying to pay people <laughs> money. Um, <laughs> Will Wade's playing. Wes Miller's playing chess. Will Wade's at Cracker Barrel playing yeah, yeah. the golf <laughs> And he doesn't get the game. He still hasn't gotten the he game. You're like, Will, you you want to have less tees. Yeah, he's, just, <laughs> he's stealing he's tees from other people. He keeps stopping the waitress. He's like, there should be one more tee. There's one tee missing. And they're like, no, Will. You have to jump over him. And he's like, oh, I thought you were just trying to. He's like, what is, what is this back? What do these numbers on the back mean? Um, all right. Yeah, so he's playing chess. Will uh, Wes Miller is the number one coach under 40. He doesn't go after the Wake Forest job, which, I mean, there's a ceiling on the Wake Forest job for him just because of the family interest and the fact that people know he, he may want to go to the Carolina job. Doesn't take that. I don't think he can get the Carolina job from UNCG, but he can get the Carolina job with this kind of publicity. So mm-hmm. I like that. Shut up. I like it too. I, I I think who put together the the list the forty under forty other than who put together the the top seventy four NBA players of all who puts together any <laughs> of these lists who's putting together the list the top seventy four players of the last seventy four the last seven point four decades we'll say. <laughs> Um, what is this? Good, good shout out. Uh, I want to shout out Tom Coverdale, Tate. Uh, this yes. man does not have a Wikipedia page. It has been brought to my attention. He does not have a Wikipedia page. This is this is a travesty. This is a Travis Sham mockery for those of you that remember <laughs> that word. I forget why. Why was that word popularized? I forget. There's like the commercial, right? Travis Sham mockery. Was it the yeah, Sham Wow? Like, that sounds yeah. like something that would happen with there's you know, some, Billy there's Mays. A, it was for, it was from an ad for something. Travis Sham mockery is what I remember. Uh, anyway, uh, Tom Coverdale does not have a Wikipedia page. Uh, I know we have a lot of nerds that listen to the show that uh, know how to to 
create Wikipedia pages. So mm-hmm. I, I just want to draw that to your attention. Give this man a Wikipedia page. It makes no damn sense that he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Make a Wikipedia page. It's just, not just, that hard. Just, just do make it. the like just make the about him section just say that I mention him on every single podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's mention on every on. single Titus and Tate by yeah. Mark Titus. Shout yeah. out Tom Coverdale, TC 1990s, for life. Nineteen ninety seven Mr. Basketball, also mentioned by Mark Titus every show that he does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And turned his ankle against Duke or turned his ankle in, in O2 and yeah, and then still the Hoosiers to whatever do. Yeah, there's a future video where you're like rapping Kanye West and you're like, that's where TC lives and you're in Bloomington and it's Tom Coverdale's <laughs> house. Uh, I see that. I see that in the future somewhere. I see that happening. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Will Wade, um, who we just mentioned <laughs> before. Shout out to Will Wade, number three on that list. And um, for someone that's been mired in scandal and was just mentioned in an HBO doc for being a G. I think it's pretty impressive to be number three on that list because a lot of times, you know, the narratives, the media will take those, they'll insert them in these lists. Um, whoever is making these lists will insert these, insert these uh, opinions into the list, but not for Will Wade. They say he can't be number two. That's a little too close, but he can be number three. He yeah, can be the, that's cowardly. The third mate. Will Wade is the third mate. That's cowardly. I'll say it. Like, if you want to make a point, just leave him off the list altogether. No, put but, him number one. If you want to make a point, yeah, put make him a point. One. Put it, Will Wade has to be either number one or off the list altogether. Yes, a hundred percent. Agree with that. Agree no with half that. measures. I don't like him at number three. I don't like. Him. <laughs> I don't like. Him. But shout um, out to Will Wade. But shout out nonetheless. I want to shout out Mo Williams, your guy, who is now yeah. the head coach at Alabama State. Uh, I'll, it's not exactly great that I I saw that he was the head coach at ASU, and we saw the logo. And I had to ask myself, is that Alcorn State? Is that mm-hmm. Appalachian? Like, I, I had no idea what school it was. I had to keep all I saw three you, Google searches to figure out what school he got the head coaching job at. But I'm so glad that he's a head coach. That's awesome. Yeah, we love Alabama State. Uh, but we also, like you said, you sent me the picture and it was him with the yellow jacket behind him. So I thought he went to Georgia Tech. So I'm like, what <laughs> happened to Josh Pastner? Like, what did Josh Pastner do in the last 24 hours? It was obviously not that. Uh, and for people that don't know, once upon a time, we went to a Pepperdine game. Um, Will, <laughs> Will Wade. I almost, said Will, I almost Wade. said Will Wade again. Uh, Mo Williams uh, was there with us, and at halftime of this game, you know, most coaches go and talk to their team uh, about strategy <laughs> and things. Mo Williams went where we went, which is the concession stand, and he got a hot dog, and uh, we got to talk to him. And we're just like, "How's everything going?" He seemed to be loving life, and uh, that hot dog the, led to a head coaching job. I think that's that's got that's uh, that's got to be a uh, you had to be there story because to you and I, that's one of the funniest things we've ever experienced is standing in line to get Skittles at a Pepperdine game, and the assistant coach of the opposing team is is standing in line to buy a hot dog. Yes, yes. While Mark Godfrey, while Mark Godfrey is talking to Lamine Jeanet in the locker room, <laughs> saying, "Just keep passing him the ball." It's like kicking and screaming, where there's like pass it to the Italians. He's like, "Pass it to Lamine." <laughs> that is that is the game plan. Pass it to Jeanne. In that, in that regard, I don't blame Mo Williams because he's probably like, "I don't need to sit in there and listen to him say that a million times." I'm going to take a dollar fifty and go get a hot dog. Yeah. Um, and get a head coaching out, job. Head coaching job at Alabama State. Uh, Mo Williams. Yeah, that's. A, I want to shout him out. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, another one for me. I want to shout out Papa John. Um, <laughs> and actually, I want to close out Papa John. And by, and by close out, I want to close the door because I've seen Papa John. He's on TikTok. Uh, you know, our producer, Lou, sent this before, you know, a little rundown of notes. Papa John, and I clicked on it, which is a mistake. Papa John is doing his own version of Cribs, and it's, yeah. like, a te- it's like a teaser. I, I didn't know this. So I watched this video, and he ends the video being like, I guess you got to come back next time to see the library. I'm like, I'm like, what? That's the worst tease. 
That's the worst season in history. I'm going to disagree with you. I, I could not disagree more, Tate. Uh, TikTok has confounded me from the moment I learned of its existence. I'm officially old. I have no idea what the hell TikTok is for. I, I every either. single TikTok I've ever seen, I'm like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. This is this is a video of people. I would dancing. be I would be absolutely embarrassed if I was the person in this. And the the first time that I changed my mind and said, actually, I might see the value in TikTok after all, is Papa John doing cribs. <laughs> Where <laughs> first what time is I was that like, house? Ah, I actually I actually could watch these. I think so. <laughs> How long can a TikTok be? Who edited that video? Why did he decide to put that video out? Is he trying to to flex in his new Kentucky fandom? What was that? What was that eagle? What was that eagle? Find out next time on it, Cribs with Papa John. It was a clock. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. We know. don't know. We don't, don't watch don't know. it. We Please don't, don't watch it. Um, I want to shout out the NBA switching from the Spalding basketball to the Wilson basketball in 2021-22. Well, that's that's. I, I didn't realize how complicated that is. So you say it out loud. 2021-22 season. It's the 2021-22 yeah, season. This whole this whole that decade, is, that, that this whole decade is going to be a mess. Yeah, it's going to be a mess. <laughs> Say that out loud, melted my brain. Um, they are they're switching to Wilson Balls Tate. I am a Wilson guy. I tweeted about Same. this. I'm a Wilson Evolution guy. The official basketball of the IHSAA. Um, that is what I used all through high school. That is how I made it rain in in high school. That is that is my ball of choice. You're the same. I we did not have uh Wilson Evolutions at my public high school. We had The Rock. And oh, uh yeah, and that was the worst ball known to man. And if you're a I didn't shooter, love the rock. I did not uh, love the rock. It, it was basically a ball to make sure that white guys like me could not make the team uh, <laughs> because, because you can't shoot, you know what I mean? And like that ball, I did like practice. I remember switching to that ball, like playing with that ball, mm-hmm. and it was the worst three years of my life uh, having to do that, but it was also um, it made it so much better when I got to intramural basketball again in college and I could play with my own Wilson Evolution. And as you and I both said uh, to each other when this happened, the scores are going to be ridiculous. Like We're oh, going to get a 200-point well, game. So wait, what's the one that the NCAA uses for the tournament? That's the solution? The right? solution, yes. Is that what we call it? Yes. Um, the NCAA... I feel like they're going to use that one. I haven't actually – do, do we know which one they're using? Are they using the evolution of the solution? I think that the people that I've seen have said the solution, but I don't think oh, the no. NBA has that's officially the one, announced. That's yes. the one the NCAA uses, which uh, the solution is better out of the box than the evolution, mm-hmm. but the solution eventually gets slippery. So, yes. like, I assume the NBA will use – if they're using brand-new solutions for every game, like I assume they will uh, – yeah, the, the scoring is going to be outrageous. But so I, the solution is not a bad basketball. It's just like if I was to buy one of those, you'd, you'd have to buy a new one like every six months or something because it start the tread starts to wear really easily. But uh, th- that's the one they used for the NCAA tournament. And just off of personal experience, the only time I ever used it was for the NCAA tournament when we played at Florida. Florida always used that ball. By mm-hmm. the way, as an aside, always had that theory in the early 2000s or the mid 2000s Florida won their national titles. Cause they were like one of the only teams in the country that used the Wilson solution. So they spent all season using the NCAA ball. They got out of their Nike contract. They didn't use the Nike ball. They used the Wilson. They cheated is what I'm saying. Tate. Mm. They used the ball that was used in the NCAA tournament. So when the tournament rolls around, every other team's like, huh, what is this thing? And Florida's yeah. like, that's our home ball, baby. And that's why Lee Humphrey, Never missed in the yeah. NCAA um, All right. All right. Calm down, Roy Williams. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Going after so, Billy Donovan uh, again. Uh, 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 if they're using the solution, I, either way, it doesn't matter. Solution or evolution, scoring is going to be um, unbelievable. 
They're yeah, and it's good. 200 points a game. Yeah, it's going to be great. And, and you and I know Nike basketball, Carolina has Nike basketballs. They mm-hmm. do their best to weather them down so they feel like a, a Wilson Evolution. So that like they're yeah, not nice. Nike. But, Nike's not bad, but it's basically a knockoff Wilson Evolution. They tried to make the Wilson yeah. Evolution and it's just not the same. It, it just bounces a little bit different. But I remember the NBA when they brought the uh, I can't remember what year it was, but when they had the other ball, the graphite ball, the one that that sounded like it was like hollow when you bounced yeah, it. Yeah. And, and all the yeah. players are like, what is this? <laughs> what is this basketball? Dude, so I, I hope that doesn't happen. I hate the NBA ball now. I, that, that was it's so frustrating when uh, all the guys when I lived in Ohio and all the guys would come back that are in the league and they would they would work out and I would just go in there. I'd basically just go in and try to like ruin their workouts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I knew that like Evan and Mike were working out. I would just go in and just talk shit the whole time and just stand <laughs> in the corner. But then I would I would inevitably try to start like shooting with them and the balls were so slippery, which is why yeah. you always see Steve Nash would lick his hands and LeBron does the powder. Like all these guys, they couldn't get a good grip. The benefit to the Spaldings that they use right now, though, is that I, w- I will say, like, when that thing would hit the rim, it would just slide right in. Like, it was it was so slippery that, like, it just had a knack for just, like, sliding in. The The net would snap. It'd give it's all like the, a pop. Yeah. yeah, it would give all the uh, the people at home watching on TV, like, a nice, like, swish every time it'd swish in. So that was, that was cool about the current ball they have. But I, I'm excited about the Wilson era because Wilson is the best, is the GOAT. It is the goat of basketballs. Yeah, of course. And then, like, you know, we talked about – I can't remember. We, did we play pickup one time together with that NBA basketball? We, we I think we did, yeah. yeah I think we, we did. did. And we both were just like, this is so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like shooting that ball. I mean, it's fun to dribble. Um, yeah. And it's fun to pass, too, because you can kind of just, like, put spin on it and things like that. But, uh, yeah, it's yeah. not it's not fun. Where, where do you stand on the TF-1000, the uh, the the top flight 1000? The, uh, the Spalding made those. Um you yeah. know what that is? You're, you're aware of yes. that? Yes, yes, yes. They had the was... deep ridges. The it was kind of like the rock. I they 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 came out with like a different model. It felt like every year though, and it, it varied year to year. The one they it, that used to be the official ball, of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. Um, when I was when I was at Ohio State, and I hated shooting it, but I could palm that thing so easily. So it was it was pretty awesome in, in layup lines. That's why I like the Nike basketballs because the Nike yeah. basketballs I could palm like like they yeah. basically like indent to your fingers, so you can just like keep a grip of them. Yeah. That's the only way I could try to dunk in the Dean Dome was like I could get the Nike basketballs and try to palm it or a soccer ball. That's great. It wasn't the Rock that way. The I rock? hate the the no the rocks the rock is terrible, dude. I'm the, trying to think rock, of what other balls like the yeah, rock any, bounces like off the rim differently, man. I'm telling yeah, know, you, like it's it's the worst. It's, it's the worst literal, ball it's ever. It's a literal rock. It's literally a rock. <laughs> <laughs> um, the worst ball is actually the the Wisconsin the Sterling varieties. <laughs> that thing is ooh. I still have nightmares about that. Or thing. or the Russell Athletic uh, balls that they use at Georgia Tech. Yeah, or the balls you get at uh, amusement parks when you when you, when you hit the <laughs> the ones that are always yeah. like did, did, like they're not shaped properly so they can't yeah. actually fit in the rim. Everyone's like, I don't know how I can make it. It's yeah. like, well, they hammer in the front of the rim and the ball is misshaped. I go to Kings Island. I'd spend like forty bucks trying to make one of those shots, and I finally make one, and I would feel like I'm awesome. And then they'd hand me one of those one of those balls that has like a Lakers logo on it. And you're like, we're in Ohio. Why do why is this a Lakers logo? And then it has like the it's like it's the outdoor ball that has the bumps on it that like just cut up your fingers within yes. 10 seconds of dribbling yes. it. And yeah, every, every basketball camp with like the signed, like the, the like yeah, the yeah. colored basketball yeah. with the no. signed coach on it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have it dribbling in your backyard and then, yeah. and then it just inexplicably becomes lopsided and yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, you're yelling yeah. at your friends and you're like, which one of you assholes kick this thing? And they are like, I didn't kick it. And, and you it's realize always, like, nobody yeah. actually drop kicked it. It just became lopsided somehow. <laughs> and it's, it's always, it's up just flat in the backyard and, and your mom's <laughs> yeah. like, just throw that ball away. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh man, who knew we were going to do 15 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Those are basketballs. That's the well, whole. That, like that's the basketball journey. Yeah. When we say we're a basketball <laughs> podcast, we mean it a little too literally sometimes. Um. Finally, I want to give a shout out to uh, MLB. MLB is coming back potentially, Tate. Uh, but they're they're doing a universal DH. I and so I guess I want to shout out Kyle Schwarber of the Chicago. Nice. I got my Cubs switch wrong. Love it. Uh, Kyle Schwarber has been waiting for this moment, Tate, where the National League uh, uses the, uh, the the DH. The DH. He's going to be just mashing home runs if 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 it actually comes back. I think me and Dickie V are the two college basketball guys most desperate for a baseball season to get here. Yeah, speaking of Dickie V, my father texted me today uh, with Dickie V's contact and with the full text message saying that he had primed him for me to ask him to come on our show. Oh, perfect. After perfect. after after we went after him on the last program. Uh, so Dickie V, we're reaching out to you. We want you on the program and uh, we want you to come bless us because we need to hear the good word of mm-hmm. Dickie V. And I, uh, I, I'm hoping that he'll come up. If uh, if Dick Vitale or Bill Walton ever come on our show, I my promise to both of them is that I will just sit here and let you talk. Yes. You can say whatever you want. I will never cut mm. you off. I promise mm-hmm. you. Um, yeah, the floor is yours. Oh, shout out to uh, – I want to shout out to my dad, my, my mm. father, who has been uh, – he's a friend of the program. Yeah, mm. he's been on the show. Um, he had heart surgery today, Tate. It went oh, well. Man. Everything's great. Uh, I, I probably – under normal circumstances, I probably wouldn't have mentioned it. Um, but, but yeah, he's full. He's, he's clean bill of health. Everything's fine. He's, he's, he's happy and healthy. But um, the only reason I brought it up is because the timing of it with the, all the, with Purdue being in the news, I just like, I'm so glad my, my dad got his heart taken care of. Cause I think he would have, I think it could have been pretty testy if he would have saw that like. Oh <laughs> yeah. This Nozel is, this is like stuff. an yeah. absolute blessing. I hope you guys like kept him like media was, blacked out yeah. during this whole thing. He you was, like, <laughs> he thankfully, he thankfully did not know about this. I told, he called me today to tell me like everything's fine and he's, he's being discharged from the hospital and all that stuff. And, uh, and I told him, I was like, have you seen the news? And then, and then I was like, thank God you shot. Yeah, 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 <laughs> He's like, wait, I got to go. I'm going to yeah. search right <laughs> Yeah, they're taking me back in. Nojo Eastern said what? <laughs> Matt Painter said what? On Dan Dockage's show? No, I just said I just said uh, Matt Painter was on Dockage's show. And I think that was that was enough yeah. for him. He's like, no. Yeah, yeah, dial tone. Yeah, it's over. Uh, well, That's shout out to Bill favorite. Titus. I'm happy he's got a bill of health. I'm happy that uh, we he found out about all this at the right time because that's that's a uh, man. That man, he would they would be shook by all this. Yeah, and he he knows. Shook. You know who knows? No gel Eastern is not a point guard. Coach Titus. Yeah, Coach Titus. <laughs> me. We gotta get. Why why don't we just call him whenever? If, yeah. New rule. If if anything happens in the world of Purdue basketball, we're getting my dad. Call, yeah, Coach so, Titus on the line. Because I w- I would really love to see how he how he spins this one. Because uh, it's, dude, Matt Painter versus Matt Harms, that's like my two of my dad's most hated people on earth, and yes. they're battling it out against each other. Where does he fall? And he's on like, Painter's side. He's a hundred percent on Painter's. Yeah, he side. probably is. He's a, yeah. he, he's always on the coach's side. He's like, I told you, Harms is a bad kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh no. <laughs> Uh, good stuff alright that's the show we'll see you guys next week thanks for listening